welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. So I'm going to do something that um, I haven't done, I don't think, in all of the time of me being a pastor, uh, and that is read from my Bible. I'm joking. Uh, That is, uh, the Lord dealt with me to begin to talk, uh, to to start a series. Um, Now, I haven't really done this in like the announcement type of way before. I I have talked on relationship and forms of relationship with the Lord uh, for probably four years on and off for the most part. That's something the Lord's really had me in a season of studying. But I, I believe he, he wants us to, to come up, um, to, to, to do a little bit more. And so what the, Lord, uh, what the Lord put on my heart for the title of this series, and I don't know if it's going to be like two weeks or two years. I have no idea how long he wants me to talk on this, but this is the title he gave me, was Now Faith. And today's message will be Foundations of Faith. And I am endeavoring um, to be responsible to, to honor what he has asked me to teach. So I would encourage you to do what Ben was talking about this morning. Pull on the Holy Spirit. I want to hear what he has over this subject um, just as much as you do. So if you guys are taking notes, um, please do. But, but like I said, the, this name of this series is going to be Now Faith, and this morning's sermon is going to be called The Basics of Faith. So um, let's release our faith, and we'll get into this. Would you guys lift your hands up this way? Father, um, we just ask that your heart would come through this morning. Um, the service has already been so good, but as we begin to preach this series, Father, as I begin to step into this thing that you've asked me to do, Father, I just ask for an increase of your anointing, that my, my words would be from the Spirit, not from myself, Father, that your heart would come through, that your message you have for this church would be, would be a message for today, it would be timely, and it would be good, and it would bring nourishment and excitement to our spirits, and I thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen. Ben, I had a water somewhere, if you could find that for me, I'd appreciate that. Okay, so if you have your Bibles... Has anyone ever read anything in Hebrews chapter 11? Yes, no, maybe. So Hebrews chapter 11 is known, thank you, buddy, is known as what chapter? What do people call it, at least in in faith circles? The faith chapter. Hold on a second. I'm going to put you down there. It's the faith chapter. What Hebrews chapter 11 is, is the writer of Hebrews is recalling what you might call the greats of faith, people who have exercised faith throughout the Bible. And he also defines faith a little bit. So we're going to start <coughs> Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the, so you guys know where I got the title from, right? <laughs> now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen or unseen. And this is already a really good way to start this chapter because he's defining what faith is. Faith is a, go, go, we're going to stay on verse one here for a minute, Catherine. Faith is a substance. Now, when I say substance, you think of something tangible, and this isn't tangible in the physical sense, although you can physically attain things that faith can get you. <sighs> Faith is a substance. It's, it, is, it is the basis of, now this word, it says it's the basis of things hoped for, but this word hope isn't, um, isn't a common vernacular definition, definition of hope. Because when we think of the word hope, um, that's like my kids, like, yeah, I hope I get, you know, ice cream cake for my birthday. It's a, it's a wish, right? When we use the word hope in common vernacular, most of the time we mean that as, I wish that this thing would happen. But the definition of the word hope, it's important to understand because it changes the meaning of this verse. It, this verse, if we read it in our common vernacular, would say, now faith is a substance of things that we wish would come true, right? But that's not what this says. The word hope 
according to the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, means to expect with confidence. Has a little bit more gumption to it than I wish that something would happen. What does it mean to expect with confidence? That means it's such a guaranteed thing that for it not to happen would be the weirdest thing. It's not like we're pretty sure it's going to happen. It's that if it doesn't happen, it would blow everyone's mind. For instance, if I were to take my phone and I were to let go of it, 100% of the time, what's it going to do? It's going to fall. Why? Because of gravity. Because God put the law of gravity on the earth, right? It's what, it's what sucks us to this giant spinning rock, is gravity, right? If I were to let go of this phone and it were to float up, we would all freak out a little bit. We probably would start rebuking some devils and casting out some spirits, right? It would, it would be such the opposite of what was supposed to happen. It would freak us all out. That's what the word hope means in this, in this context. So faith is the substance of things that we can expect with confidence. And in the last part, it says it's the evidence of things not seen. And this is talking about in our, in our natural eyes. So God has promises built into his word. We were talking about some of them this morning. In Psalms 103, David is reminding himself of what God has done and what God has promised. God has promised us after when Jesus died on the cross, there were so many promises that came with. If you look up the word salvation, it's the Greek word sozo. It means healed, whole, well, preserved, right? Healed, whole, well, preserved. If you define the four of those, you're, you're pretty set. That means you got enough money, you got enough health, you have enough ability, you have enough to do all the things that God asks you to do. That's one of the promises of God. It says, so faith is a substance. It's the base of things that we can expect with confidence, even though we have not seen them come to pass in our lives yet. That's good preaching right there. So what faith is, what faith is for, it is how we live. As Christians, it is the foundation of our existence. The reason why it's so important to have faith is without it, it is impossible to please God. Without it, it is impossible to be saved. Without it, it is impossible to be healed. Without faith, it is impossible to be a Christian. You cannot be a Christian and not have faith. How do you know that you're saved? By faith. Acts actually verse. Uh, let's just read along a little bit farther, Catherine. We're going to go to verse. Go to verse two and then verse three. So for it now, it, continuation of verse one. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. What does that mean? We couldn't see it with our natural eyes, but God spoke it into existence. So something was there, although we may not understand or know what it was, God spoke it and it happened. And by faith, we understand it. Did you see the creation of the world? I was thinking about Job. Do you guys know the story of Job? So the story of Job is amazing. It's one of my favorite things because no matter what happened, Job never cursed God. That's the, that, is the, that is like the whole purpose of that book is that no matter what happened to Job, Job never cursed God. But when Job was kind of upset, he's like, what, can someone please tell me, someone come before me and tell me, and God shows up to Job. And he says, were you there when I put the stars in their place? Were you there when I put the borders on the ocean? Were you there when I, and Job said, no. He goes, then how do you expect, if you don't understand these things, how do you expect me to explain this? Were you there when God created the heavens and the earth? No. Was anyone, any, anyone there when God created the heavens? When he said light be and it exploded, were you there? No. By faith, you understand that it happened though, right? Because he said it. If God said it, I believe it, right? Okay, keep going. <clears throat> By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he attained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts, and though it, it he, ooh, thank you, Lord, and, and through it, he being dead still speaks. So what, what he's saying is we don't, it's the only story about Cain and Abel in the Bible. They're known for 
having a good offering, and killing their brother. But he said that his faith was so good that even though he's dead, his story still lives because he did it through faith. Keep going. By faith, faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Do you guys know who Enoch is? Have you ever, have you ever tried to find out more about Enoch in the Bible? There's not a lot there. There's like seven verses in the Bible that talk about Enoch, and that's kind of it. But Enoch, <laughs> Enoch was taken away because he had great faith. That, that's like he's famous for trusting in God and having faith in God, and he didn't have to die. God translated him from being someone on earth to being someone in heaven. That's it. He's, he, that's what he's known for. That's the only, there's not chapters about Enoch. There's verses, and there's only like seven of them. And some of them are just like saying his name in the lineage, okay? Um, that he was taken. He had this testimony that he pleased God, and he pleased God by faith. Keep going. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Who's the him that we're talking about? God, okay? For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How do you seek him diligently? Through faith is the substance of our existence as Christians. Faith is, it's impossible to please God without it. That's why I said you can't be a Christian without faith. Now, now some people may look at faith and go, I, I don't have very much faith or I only have enough faith to believe this. That's actually okay because the word says that if you had enough faith, even the size of a mustard seed, you could command a mountain to jump into the ocean and it would do it. Because faith is confidence in, in the promises of God. You cannot be saved without it. You cannot be healed without it. You can't be free without it. Faith is, is putting trust in and believing on the promises of God over what it looks like and feels like. It is, it is putting trust in, believing on the promises of God over what it looks, feels, and seems like. We have constant input. Okay? Constant, unless you were to block your eyes and your ears or go hide in the closet. We're constantly receiving information of our surroundings. And a lot of times, especially nowadays, those surroundings are putting out some very negative things contradictory to what God's word would say. Faith is the ability to say, even though it looks this way, I know it's not that way. Well, Micah, you're just being naive. That's okay. I mean, I don't mind. Naivety is fine. That's good. But I mean, the word says that when it comes, when it concerns things of the world, you're supposed to be like a child. That's what the Bible says. You're not supposed to be wise in the things of the world. You're supposed to be ignorant of them. Faith is, faith is the basis of what, what we, how we're able to walk in the plan that God has for us. It's not just a a, a proclaiming and shouting a thing in hopes, in wishing that it would come true. There, I, I have been around some circles, and I, have, and I have nothing wrong with confession. In fact, confession is a huge p- part of faith, and we'll get on into that either later today or maybe next week. But, but there's some people who, who read some of these things and try to parrot something. They try to mimic something because they try to figure out a formula to make it easier on themselves when that's not what the Lord is talking about here. It's not, faith, faith is the basis of relationship. Does that make sense? But faith outside of relationship is, is just parroting. We're supposed to do everything that we have through the relationship of Jesus Christ, through an intimate relationship with him. So it says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Right? So when God says something over a situation that lines up with his word, that is his proclamation over a situation. When your faith matches his faith, something can happen. But when you're just out there yelling and saying, I'm going to get a new Ferrari, or I'm going to get this thing, or I'm going to get that thing, which isn't bad, it, but out, out, absence of relationship where you're just trying to do something for yourself, you might be out there a little while. 
God has grace. I, I'm never going to put God in a box and say God can't do something. He can do a lot of things and a lot of things that we could never expect or would expect him to do. He can heal people who are horrible people. I, I knew I, I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine and he had someone in his church and he, he was kind of an abusive husband physically. And he got cancer. And this pastor friend of mine thought, well, serves him right. Then God healed him of cancer. That's a conundrum. Because you would think, well, he deserves to die if he's laying hands on his wife, or he deserves punishment if he's laying hands on his wife, but then God healed him. Well, then what are you going to do? So I don't put God in a box. That's, that's not my job. That makes sense? What, 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 we're, what we're focusing on is how we live by faith and not by sight. Meaning we can have things going on in our lives that are unsatisfactory. And it may be something as simple as, you're living paycheck to paycheck or something, maybe there's a health issue or a family issue. It can be any and all things that are frustrating. But what faith says is, is if you understand the promises of God, because that's where faith comes from. We can read scripture and say, oh, God promises this thing. I can find it in his word. I can put my finger on it. I can find more than one place in the word where it says it. And it's not contradictory and it's within context. It's a promise of God. You can just take something as simple as healing. Jesus died on the cross for you. He, he took the, the stripes on his back. He was beaten and bruised and crucified so that you could be whole. It's done. It's finished. You can take all of those passages in the Bible and say, okay, Lord, I can see that in your word, it is your promise to me that I can live a whole healed life. Why? But I don't see it, Father. I don't see wholeness in my life. I see parts of my life where I still have some physical things going on. Okay, that's where we don't live by what we see. We live by faith. Faith lays hold of what God promises over what we see day to day. And we can say, okay, I understand that I don't see this, but I'm going to speak from my mouth what the word says. And the word says, by his stripes, I was healed. Meaning he did it 2,000 years ago when he died. Meaning I no longer have to live in sickness and destitute and in poor health. I don't have to live that way anymore because he died for it. Now listen carefully. Sometimes you're in the situation you're in because you haven't taken good care of yourself. You've had poor diet. You've had poor exercise. You don't do things you're supposed to do. God's been telling you to get out of bed at 5 a.m. and go running. You've been ignoring him, okay? God's not going to not heal you because you've been ignorant, but he's going to try to correct that ignorance for you. Does that make sense? It's gonna, he's going he's gonna to be talking to you about being faithful to a certain thing. So we have to make sure we're faithful to the word that God says because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That means if he says to do something, do it. And you don't get to know why sometimes. Can I give you an example? So before I got married to my wife, I had, uh, I had graduated out of uh, the youth group I was in for about the third time. I've been brought back a couple times to do music and to lead and some other things. And I knew the Lord, the Lord put it in my spirit that, I, that it was like this was the end of this chapter and there was something more. And I was talking to him about this. And I said, I think I'm ready to be in a relationship. I don't think I'm supposed to go to college. I don't think I'm supposed to move. I think the next thing for me is I'm ready to be in a relationship. And I said out loud, if I'm not ready, Lord... Help, help me, because I feel like in my spirit, the next thing for me is there's going to be this relationship coming. But I don't, I'm not sure. If, I, I, if I'm not ready, Father, equip me, help me. And that was the end of the conversation. About three to four weeks later, completely unrelated in my mind, when I got home from work, I worked an early shift. I got home about one or two o'clock every day. And my routine was get home from work, take a shower, play Halo for four hours until my roommates came home. It was a pretty great life. <laughs> Eat a steady diet of ramen noodles and shredded wheat. That was kind of the whole thing. That's right. It was a good, it was a good existence. Uh, but the Lord spoke to my heart. I'm not saying I heard an audible voice, but I heard it inside when I was heading home. He said, instead of just taking a shower and then playing video games, I want you to read a chapter of Proverbs. I want you to read a chapter of Hebrews. And I want you to pray in the spirit for 30 minutes every day when you get home. 
Then go do whatever it is you want to do after that. And I said, okay, I can do that. Now, again, I don't know that this is related to this thing that I've already asked him. See, I could sit and go, okay, God, I'll do this, but what about my wife? You know, Lord, I asked you about this thing that I'm believing for that I feel in my spirit, but you haven't said anything about that. All you want me to do is do these other things. In in our minds, we don't know that they're related. And that's what you don't have to know. It's probably better that you didn't because your motivation would change. See, faith is doing it. You're doing, doing things by faith. I mean, you're doing things without knowing the result of those things. You have faith that God is a good God. So whatever he asks you to do, we're going to do it, even though we don't know where that's going to lead. It's being obedient. It's being faithful. That's what faith is. I don't, I don't know where this is going. I can't see that. I have no idea how it's going to work out, but I know that God said to do this, so I'm going to do it. So I began to do this thing. I'd get home from work. I'd take a shower. I would read a chapter of Proverbs, read a chapter of Hebrews, and I'd pray in the spirit for at least 30 minutes. Sometimes it would go an hour. Sometimes it would go, you know, 31 minutes. It was just, it was at least 30 minutes. That's what the Lord told me. And I did that for almost, I want to say seven months, pretty, like almost every day, except for Sundays, because he said, when you get home from work. So the days that I got home from work, that's when I, I did, I did no more and I did no less than what he asked me to do. And December 28th of 2008, my buddy convinces me to go to a Christmas party that I did not want to go to, but thank God I listened to him because I met my wife. And the second I saw her, I knew that that was the person that God had for me. Again, I do not know that this other thing is related to this. She was in town visiting family for Christmas. She lived in Pennsylvania. She was going to school up there, was about to graduate. And uh, I met her, I fell in love with her, and then she went back to Pennsylvania. And I was like, okay, God, so like, if that was a thing, you gotta, I didn't ask for her number. I didn't like, do anything. Uh, three weeks later, she shows up at church and she moves here and the Lord connects our hearts as friends. And we did not have a dating relationship. We didn't have a romantic relationship at all. She was hungry for God. She had recently given her life to the Father and she'd have questions. Why, why in the word does it say this? And wouldn't you know, up out of my spirit would come an answer that I didn't know that I knew. Because I'd been spending eight months in the word and praying in the spirit. And what I was doing is God was prepping me for this exact situation. I had the answer for this before I knew that I had the answer. Does that make sense? God was prepping me to be prepared for the promise that he was going to put me in. That's a lot of peas, but I think it'll stand true. He was getting, he was getting me ready for something I didn't know that I needed. That's how you live by faith. She would ask me a question and up out of my spirit would come the answer. And I would go, dang, that's good. Like, I, that's good word right there. And the Lord would use me to help my wife grow and mature to become the person that I needed to marry. She had to get somewhere too before we could be in covenant. And the answer for her was also me prepping and being obedient He was preparing me for the promise. I was living by faith. I did not know why I was doing it, but I was doing it simply because he asked me to do it. And faith says, I trust you enough to know you have a good thing for my life. So I'm going to listen and obey, even though I don't know the end end result of this thing. And what's come out of it is 12 years of marriage, two kids, a ministry, homes, ability to bless people, love people. And that's a result of obedience, which is what faith is. It's hard to trust people. There's there's actually not a a huge circle of people that I would trust with my entire life that that exist. That circle's pretty small. You know, it'd be my dad, my brother, a couple close friends. But there's not a lot of people that I would trust with my whole life. There's not even, there's an even smaller amount of people that I would trust to lead my family. Does that make sense? But, but I trust God with all of those things. More than I trust anyone else. For more than one reason. One, he's continually proven himself to me. Like Ben was saying this morning, remember, there has been lots of times in my life where I should have been evicted from my house where my car should have been towed. It actually was towed, but God worked it out and they brought it back to me and didn't charge me anything for it. 
because I was faithful, because I lived by faith, it used to, and, I, and I'll say this, and, and I can say it in front of you because I've said it in front of my wife and she won't mind. When we first got married, I, I had a few more years of, of living by faith than she had. And uh, she would call me at work because I worked for Panera Bread, shout out Panera Bread. And I made a whopping $11 an hour as a manager, managing high school students for the closing shift. It was, oh man, talk about patience. Uh, and so my wife would call me and say, hey, Micah, we have this bill due and we have no money. What are you going to do? And I would say, babe, that's not my problem. And she would get very mad at me. <laughs> what do you mean it's not your problem? You're, you're the husband. You're supposed to be the provider. And I was like, what scripture says I'm the provider? That's not in the Bible. I'm not, honey, I, she's like, I, you can't just say that to me. I was like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to listen to you? Or do you want me to listen to the word? Anyways, it caused some arguments in our life. However, thankfully, the Lord got a hold of both of us and we began to get it. It took more than a year. It took more than four years. It took, took the better part of about six. <laughs> I don't really don't know, but it took a, it took a while. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're still not fully perfected in it, so, so it, hasn't, it hasn't completed its work, I will say that. But we used to get in fights because I had, I had, thank God I had enough understanding to know that it wasn't my job to provide. Because he, he promised it. I, when I read the Bible, it's pretty black and white to me. I can read the scripture, <coughs> excuse me, and I can see what God has promised. Now, now I have a decision. We all have a decision at that point. Is, is what he said in this word valuable enough that I consider it truth? Or will I allow my experience, my, what I can see, feel, and touch override what the word says? That in a nutshell is the issue with people living by faith or living by sight. Is, is if they can decide in their heart to set this above any other form of information. That, that's the whole dilemma. If you can look at the word and say, no matter what I fee, feel or what it sees or what it looks like or what it seems like, this is a stronger, more powerful form of input than things around me. This is truth. This is gospel. It always has been. It always will be. See, in, in Jeremiah, it says, that you need to be like a tree planted by streams of flowing water so that when the heat comes, you will continue to bear fruit. Jesus said, be, heed my words. He said, if you do, you'll be like a wise man who builds his house upon a firm foundation, a rock, that when the hurricanes come, see, the world promises destruction. It's a promise. The world that we live in is fallen. The promise of this world is, is destruction, hurt, pain, anger. It's, 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 a, it's built into the system because we live in a fallen world. And we have an adversary who's going to continue to poke and prod. He's ever seeking. He roams around like a lion. Here's an interesting thing about lions. Lions don't, don't go after the big bull ox in the herd. When they hunt, they don't go after the biggest, baddest water buffalo there is. They try to find one that's isolated himself. They try to find one that's weak. They try to find one that's wandered a little too far from the herd. Gets offended, starts questioning their faith, starts asking words, starts dabbling in doubt, blaming God for stuff. That's the one that the enemy comes it says he roams around like a lion. He's looking for people who are doubting. He's looking for people who maybe don't fully have a firm foundation. Like the seed that was, that was planted in rocky ground and shot up because of excitement, but had no roots so that when the heat come, it was scorched. He's looking for people who don't have a firm foundation. Because when the winds and waves come and you've got a firm foundation, you can't be sh shaken. I almost said shooken. <laughs> I think I did that right. You can't be shaken. The wind may be beating on the shutters and the rain may be blasting the side of the house, but it stands firm because we live by faith and not by sight. Say that. Say, I live by faith and not by sight. 
You guys sound really excited. Say, I live by faith and not by sight. That means we choose to believe what this word says over our circumstances. It has to be so. For you to profess your Christianity, it needs to be so. Pull that last verse up again, Catherine. I think we're in verse five or six, something like that. The one that says, yeah, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God without faith. You can be trying to do a million things for God, try to save souls, try to be the nicest, most loving person, buy people's groceries, do whatever you can possibly do to earn God's favor. But if you don't have faith, it is impossible to please him. If you don't live a life of faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to know how I know? It's in Hebrews. Because it's by faith that we have our salvation. The same faith that you believed, if if someone pulled out a gun, came in here and blasted us all away, do you know that you'd go to heaven? I'm I'm fully convinced. I know that if I were to die right now, I I would see you all on the other side. I'd see you in glory and we'd feel pretty dang good because we wouldn't have any more hurt or pain in our body. The sinus pressure, gonzo, right? Hanging out in heaven with everyone else worshiping the Lord. I know that with the fact because I've committed my life to him. And he's promised it to me. That same assurance that you have of your salvation is the very same assurance you can have to receive healing, to receive provision, to receive all the things that God needs you to receive so you can go and do all that you need to do. I get upset when ministers come against other ministers for multiple reasons, but especially when people attack people for having things. They shouldn't have that plane. They shouldn't have that car. They shouldn't do this. They shouldn't do that. Man, if they're going and preaching the gospel, go. Have two planes. Have 12 cars. Like, why? why, I'm about to get on a pedestal. See, what happens is that our lack of faith becomes a fence when we see other people in positions we wish we had. And jealousy and, and a fence sneaks in there and you've separated yourself from the herd and guess who's out there seeking to whom he can devour? You've, you've, you've separated yourself because you, oh, well, they have this thing and they only had that because they have a church of X amount of people and they take a salary when you don't know jack about how that stuff happens. You don't, but you're, you're offended because they have great faith and they're doing what God has asked them to do and you're sitting in your tiny little apartment complaining about what you don't have, not living by faith, only living by sight, not pleasing God. God is not pleased with everyone. I'm sorry, did that offend someone? God is not pleased with everyone and he doesn't accept everything. Look at Cain and Abel. He only accepted one of the offerings because it was given through excellence and by faith. God just doesn't, God does love you, but he doesn't just, he's not pleased with everyone. To be, to please God, you must live by faith. It's in the scripture. I'm not saying God doesn't like you. I'm not saying that like he's against you. But what I'm saying is the scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. I mean, at least, at least at minimum, believe that he is. I mean, Jesus said, well, good. Now you believe as much as the demons do. At least, at least be as faithful as the demons are. I mean, start somewhere. I'm not trying to make anyone mad here, but that's what he, Jesus said. At least, at least you have as much faith as the devils because they believe that Jesus is and he died and rose. So that, start, start there. That's a good place to start. But not, don't stay there. See, when people come into the fold, the heavens celebrate. And Jesus may say, the Lord may say, come as you are, but he doesn't say stay that way. A lot of people get offended and say, well, I'm just going to come to church and I'm bringing my ideas and my ideologies with me. And they're just going to accept all of that. That's not okay. If If you're pastoring a church and you accept everyone the way that they are and don't expect anything more of them, you're not doing them any favors. God has an expectation for us. He has an expectation for where we're supposed to go. 
he, he, he's laid it out for us. I mean, that's why he sent Jesus to die. It's, it's a rigged system, like I said earlier today. He expects us to live by faith. He expects us to, when we first come in, to get, to get some good milk of the word, to get some understanding of how much God loves us, that he is a good God. But then he expects us to, to, to grow from faith to faith and glory to glory to not stay at a place, to increase. And it's our job, it's this church's job to instill that in people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God and you're doing both this morning. So when you leave this place, you just have more faith than what you came in with. Am I right or am I right? It's in the word. That's not, that's not Micah's ideas. I didn't just come up with that. That's the author and finisher of our faith. He came up with that. The righteous shall live faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him by faith. He rewards those who wants to be rewarded by the Lord. I'm not saying that should be your motivation for things. Is, I mean, it's not, you know, we don't just get, do something to get something, but it's built into the system. If you live by faith, the Lord will reward you with lots of different things, opportunities, Ministries, families, lives, repair, repair things that were broken, makes things that were hurting brand new. I would encourage all of you to read this entire chapter this week. It's 40 verses. It's not, it's not that many verses. And what's really one of my favorite parts is, so, there, so moving on from here, he just starts talking about the different people that live by faith and how they live by faith. And in verse 32, it says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, of the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. They, they, he said, I, I don't have enough time to tell you of how great men have lived by great faith and all of the things they've accomplished by doing it. <clears throat> we are supposed to live by faith. <clears throat> great things happen when we do. Daniel lived by faith and the mouths of lions were shut up. David defeated Goliath by faith with some stones by doing what the Lord told him to do. All of the great stories in the Bible by doing what the Lord told him to do. All of the great stories in the Bible of Moses, of Noah when he built the ark. Think about that. That is an outward statement of faith that we've never had to step in in our lives. I mean, you built a giant boat. And it's not like you can hide that. It's not like he's got that in his garage and like, what you got going on? Oh, nothing. It's fine. Don't worry about it. That's a very public display of faith. What are you doing? Well, this God that you don't believe in, that you don't know exists, told me to build a boat because the flood's coming. Oh, that's so crazy, Moses. That's old Mo. He's up on the hill. That guy's kooky. He's building a boat. What's he building the boat for? Why is he building a boat on a mountain? <laughs> he said that God said it's going to rain. Well, it's never rained that much before. That guy's crazy. That was an outward expression of faith that we had never seen. And he was alone. It was just him and his family. It wasn't, he didn't have any friends. He didn't have any quote unquote faith buddies saying, come on, Mo, Mo you got this. You, you can do this. I said, Moses, it's Jonah. Excuse me, old Joe, apologize. Jonah, you can, you, Noah built the ark. Jonah was swallowed by the whale. Moses led the kids out of Israel. Okay, I got it. A lot of those, a lot of names. <laughs> you know what I meant. Noah built the ark. Okay, cool. We're all on the same page. You guys knew what I meant. He didn't have faith buddies. He didn't have friends that would call him and say, you know, good job. You're doing it. Keep living by faith. No, he had people mocking and ridiculing him. But God preserved his life because he believed what God said over his circumstances. No matter what it felt like, no matter what it seemed like, no matter what it looked like, he believed what God said over his circumstances. That is the basics. That is the beginning. That is the foundation of what it means to live by faith is understand that these promises are bigger and better and more powerful than what you can see, feel, and touch in your life. If God asks you to do anything, be faithful to do it. God asks of us to live by faith.
Mm. Yeah. Go to Mark 11, and I think, I think we can be okay with wrapping up after that. Like I said, I'm planning on spending some time on this, and so I don't need to rush through any of this. What I would love for you to do is to take the things that are said and take them home and meditate on them. Ask the Lord, is there an area in my life where I can live by faith more? Is there something in my life? Let's go to Mark 11. Um, for the sake of time, I'll just paraphrase. In, 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 in Mark 11, verse 12 and 14, uh, Jesus curses this fig tree. They're on their way to Bethany. Everyone was hungry. They go by this fig tree. And it was, in this, it was important to remember it was in the season of harvest for figs. The fig tree was created to do something. And that was to grow and to produce fruit. That's what it was created to do. And it was not operating in its created value. Okay? It was not bearing fruit. And Jesus said, you're cursed. No one's going to eat from you again. In passing. I mean, it's two verses. They saw that. They looked for it for fruit. They found nothing in the leaves. It was not there. And he said, may no one ever eat from you again. And then they kept walking. That's it. <laughs> in 21 and 26, um, they were going back. And Catherine, go ahead and pull up verse 21, and we'll just read from here, from 21 to 26. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, this is after they saw the fig tree that was withered. Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So the opposite of faith is, is doubt. It's, it's what kills faith, is doubt. Jesus said it. If you can say, if you have enough, you could say to a mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, but don't doubt in his heart. If you went outside right now and drove out to the dam, and there's that big mountain that's, you can see, well, it's not, well, it's an Ozark mountain. You can see it from the dam, and you could say, be moved and be cast into the sea. But if you were honest with yourself, you wouldn't believe that it was going to happen, right? I couldn't, I don't, I couldn't do that. That's doubt. I, I, would, I, I, wouldn't, I, I could not believe that I could do that. But even though Jesus said that I could, the reason why I'm pointing it out is because none of us had, have, have attained perfect faith yet. We're, we're all striving to do a thing, but doubt will creep in. How, however, I have enough confidence inside of me that I can, I can, I can uh, lay hands on someone and I expect to see them recover. I, I, if we have a need financially and the Lord has told me not to work like he did last week, I can with confidence expect that the number that I say, that I release and say this is going to happen, it's going to come into my life, I, I know that it's going to happen. For, for multiple reasons. He's proven himself to be faithful to me in that. And, that, and he's not a respecter of persons. I'm not saying this like I have achieved something that you don't have access to. We all have access to the same thing. It's just greater revelations and greater understanding of faith. Doubt is what kills faith. So here's what I want to get to the point today, and then we'll be done. If you are learning how to live by faith, the very opposite of the thing that you're believing to happen will berate you. That's how the enemy works. That whatever you're believing for, the very opposite of that thing is going to try to cause doubt because doubt is what kills faith. You can have zero. Faith is a con. Remember, faith is a expecting with confidence, meaning if it didn't happen, it would be a shock. Doubt is what kills faith. So how do we conquer doubt? The key is in the mouth. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Something can pop, pop up into your skull, an idea, a thought, a doubt. But if you don't speak it out of your mouth, you're actually perfectly okay. You're, it's, you're not in sin to think thoughts of doubt. Doubt, excuse me. You're not out of faith to think thoughts of doubt. Doubt, it's only when it comes out of your mouth. Life and death is in the power of a tongue. That's what it says to hold captive to vain imagination. 
You're, God gave us imaginations on purpose. It's how, we, it's how we dream of the promises that fulfill themselves through living by faith. But when a thought comes into our mind, we have, we, the, way that I do, uh, the way that I picture it is this. It's like a stream, uh, like during like salmon season when they're all migrating, and you just reach in and you pick up a salmon and you look at it and you go, is this a good salmon or is this a bad salmon? And if it's a good one, you keep it. If it's a bad one, you put it back. Our mind is a stream of constant thought, right? And when stuff comes up, we look at it. Is this good? Is this line itself up with the word of God? Nope. Just let her go. Release her back into the stream. She'll probably circle around a few more times. But that doesn't mean you have to lay captive of that thing. It doesn't mean you have to lay hold of it. You can just let it go. And we do that by speaking over myself. There's been plenty of times when I was driving in my car and we're believing for something. This just thought comes up like, why are you believing for that? That's never going to happen. And it, and it like just kind of hits my brain. And I'm like, and I'll out loud say, that's dumb. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Mike, you know better than that. We're not thinking on this thing. And then you start talking the opposite. Well, see, what God said was this. So, so brain, mind, imagination, shut up and align yourself with the word of God. We, we serve a higher calling. We don't just serve ourselves. So I remind myself, Micah, this isn't your walk. You're, you're living by faith. You're doing these things because he's told you to do them. That was dumb. I don't know where that thought caught from. Go away. Get, away. get away from me. We control those things with our mouth, with our lips. It's a big portion of how we live by faith and not falling into doubt and not falling into unbelief is what comes out of our mouths. People get weird about confession. That guy's over there confessing he's going to get this money or he's going to get this thing or he's going to get that thing. Don't listen. It is, it is on purpose. We're gonna, I think we're going to start talking about that a little bit more next week, so I, I might just touch it just a little bit. What comes out of our mouth, the word says it's like a rudder of a ship. Big, giant battleships, they can't really turn on a dime. It t- takes, takes several nautical miles to do a 180, or, right? Several nautical miles. Because it's at that tiny little rudder at the back of the boat slowly turns and steers the ship. What comes out of your mouth is what steers the ship of your, of your life. And when that lines up with the word of God, you'll, you'll, you'll slowly and methodically follow the perfect will of God. But when you're speaking the opposite, your ship is going to start turning the other direction. And this is, where, this is where the water is nice and warm, it's tempered, there's lots of fish. But when you start speaking the opposite direction, you start getting into unfamiliar waters. You start being in a place you shouldn't be in because the words you're speaking out of mouth are sending you towards the path of destruction. There's not really a middle ground, right? You're either heading towards the light or you're heading towards darkness. That's kind of the only two options you have. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backward, right? The word says life and death is in the power of the tongue. What comes out of your mouth is what you will see happen in your life. There's lots and lots and lots of motivational speakers who've written books and put on conferences that you can pay lots of money to and they teach this principle and they claim it to be their own. And the power of positive thinking, the power of positive... You know why it works for them? Because it's a law that God put into existence. I'll share this with you and I promise I'm almost done. This is maybe my third attempt at wrapping up. When, When God said the word light in creation... Nothing happened. When he said the word light, air, water, nothing happened. It's when he said the word be or become, it, it literally manifests, the power of the Holy Spirit manifested out of something we couldn't see, light. Earth, water, birds, air, trees. There's been scientific studies on what makes up an atom. Do you guys know what an atom is? An atom makes up everything. We're made of atoms. This podium is made of atoms. You're made of atoms. This phone's made of atoms. It makes up, it's the molecular, the, the microscopic molecular structure of everything. <laughs> and for years, they've been trying to figure out what is an atom made out of. And to the best of their ability, when they've, they've got enough technology to look inside of an atom, do you know what it looks like? Sound waves. It looks like sound waves because it's the very voice of God continually to operate in its created value. That's why the power of positive 
speaking and stuff. That's why these things work as the principle has built into the system that we live in. Even though the earth has fallen, it still exists. That's why you can literally play positive music to a houseplant or negative music to a houseplant and one will die and one will flourish. It's because it's built into the system. But let's not pervert what God has made. Let's use his scripture. Let's use his word because then your life is lined up with his plan for your life. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And it's what will keep you from, it's what will keep you in living by faith versus living by sight. Because what living by sight will only speak what it sees that day. How many, don't raise your hand, but this may, maybe this is just me. But there have been times in my life in the past where I would get up and I will say, man, I just don't feel like getting up today. Man, that is a bad way to start. I just don't feel like getting up today. Well, my ship's starting to turn. I just don't feel good. Then you get out of bed. Ugh, man, my back hurts. My knees hurts. Crick, crack, scratch. Oh, I got to go take a hot shower and stand under there. So now I'm already 10 minutes later than I needed to be because I spent an extra five minutes sitting under the hot stream of shower. That's a bad way to start your day. Maybe it's just me. Maybe that's I'm the only person who ever started a day that way. But think about that. When you get up, you have an opportunity to speak death or to speak life. What are you going to do? Today's going to be a good day. When you call Sue Damaris on the phone and you say, Sue, how are you? Do you know what she says to me 100% of the time? Blessed and highly favored. John knows. Every time. She doesn't just do that because it's cute. She means it because she's understood that life and death is, is by the power of the tongue. She may, do you think she feels blessed and highly favored every day? That morning you woke up in the hospital, did you feel blessed and highly favored? No, you did not. However, it did not change how she answered the phone when I called her in the hospital. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You are now responsible for more information than you had coming in. Speak Life, speak what God says in his word. It will change things. Don't just do it. Don't just try to come up with something nice to say. Find it in this word. Lay hold of it and speak it out of your mouth. Amen? Let's stand up. I think I got there, Ben. We, we can close now. I think I got there. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media on Instagram and Facebook.